0: All right, you you should have had handed out to you a little note taking guide The Secret of Ending to Ending Well. That's what we're going to talk about here as we come down to the end of this semester. For some of you, the end of your Elam career. The Secret to Ending Well. The greatest warfare Satan exerts against any move of God is at the beginning and at the end. Those are the two big times. The starts and the finishes are the points of greatest vulnerability for a work from God. And it's easy for us to understand why the start of a work would be important. If the enemy can, can stop people at the very beginning, then the work is never completed. You, you see this, uh, uh, for example, when Jesus is born, all at once the, the king, Herod, gets this in his heart. That uh, Think of the craziness of this thought that he wants to kill all of the babies in this village of Bethlehem. And he's uh, demonically inspired to do this and uh, to try and destroy at the very beginning the life of the savior of jesus christ i can see it in my own life maybe you can look back too when i look at my early walk with the lord when i first gave my heart to the lord the most dramatic temptations to quit came right at the beginning the parable says it this way. You remember the parable of the, of the uh, word that's spread out. It says, the birds of the air come to steal away the seed right when it is planted. It says, it says right away, the birds of the air come. So there's, there's something in this attack that is, that, is, that, that is to come right at the very beginning of something. And I think of the freshmen that are here. How many of you freshmen have faced incredible battles getting started in school? Maybe you had promised financial support that failed or personal problems that flared up or roommates from hell or <laughs> romantic relationships that went sour, you know. All these different things to kind of knock you out right at the very beginning. Uh, I remember my, uh, my son uh, Todd went to... Uh, oh, there's a cool bug there. I'm going to flick him. Oh, there we go. Let's go. <laughs> Um, my son, Todd went to officer candidate school, uh, for the Marines and, uh, you know, he, he started out, there was a certain group, but by the time he got to the end, 40% of the people who had started with him for officer candidate school were gone by the time they got to the end of the, and I think it was only 10 or so weeks, 10, 12 weeks that, um, that they were that, that they were involved, and uh, th- there's something that we want to knock it out right at the be- beginning. Unless we think about it though, we may not realize why the end of a work of God is so important. We may think the damage has already been done. Why, why does the devil care about the end? And the reason is simply that how something ends can have a profound impact on everything that uh, that happens with it. Uh, I remember a few years ago that uh, there was a football game, a Super Bowl game where uh, they were it was one of these, right at the very end, trying to win the game. They go the whole length of the field and the clock is ticking. Clock is either down to the final moments. And of course, in football, they call it the red zone, the last 20 yards. They, they, it, because because the all the yards coming up to that point are relatively easy to get when it's compared to that last 20 yards. And I remember in this game, I can't remember the, the uh, players, maybe some of you are more fans than I am, will, but I remember at the very end of the game, the very last play the guy's diving to try and get over for that that touchdown that will that will make them winners as opposed to losers and he falls down you see him down and his hand is on the ball fully extended trying to get there and bam it comes down it's just a little short of that goal line all the effort that went before is discounted all because at the end he didn't make it how a person ends their ministry can affect everything that's gone before that. You know, I think of you that are seniors, and and really this applies to all of us that are here as we're ending our year, really. But how things end can soil and spoil everything that has gone before. Or, it can, in a sense, transform everything that's gone before it, lift it up to another level, all based on how things end. Um, I remember years ago uh, there was a guy who was a uh, and it was this was in a stage in the church's development where uh, the whole television thing was just kind of really rolling and and uh, they would they would call him tele evangelist you know certain famous people and this guy in particular was a guy came from the south his name was Jimmy Swaggart and he was just very uh, very very popular. Um, Jimmy Swaggart, uh, he, he you know he he was not only was he a preacher, he was a singer. He would, did had kind of a country music thing, and uh, and people, I mean, they just love this guy. I remember back then, this was years and years ago in the '80s. Um, I'm thinking of uh, when this happened, but I remember back in the '80s, his the ministry that he was involved in, the annual income of that ministry was in the neighborhood of 130 130 million dollars a year. So this is I mean, we're talking about somebody having a powerful impact touching so many lives. And it comes out, you know, here he's got these albums and it it comes out that uh, he gets caught uh, messing around with some uh, uh, prostitution thing. And, uh, And the whole thing, the whole thing just blows up. And here is a guy that I mean, for years, most admired, you know, awesome, really looked at in a in a in a tremendous way. Every Sunday, he was on every every station. You you know, you, you you'd see he would be ministering and touching lives, doing so many things. But everything got lost. When that happened, when that happened, nobody wanted his albums anymore. Nobody wanted to watch his television program. Nobody wanted to, everything got lost basically because the enemy won a victory at the end. Everything beforehand got soiled and got torn, torn down in that way. You know, think about it in terms of Jesus. What if Jesus, you remember when Jesus is on the cross, the, um, the people are, are saying to him, you know, show yourself that, you know as the son of God, you know, prove, you know, if you were the son, of, you know, get yourself down off that cross, you know. They're slapping him and saying, you know, prophesy, you know, who hit you? Because they, they blindfolded him and hit him in this way and all this. What if Jesus had said, Okay, that's it? Jump down off the cross. All right, all you guys there, wham, gone, right? How many of you know, we probably wouldn't be sitting here today, right? Everything would have been lost in the final moments of this, of this whole experience. And that's the, you know, that's the way it is. That's why the beginning is important, but the ending is is important and I want to talk to you about that today because all of us are here really uh, as students you know you're ending your freshman year ending your sophomore year some of you that this will be it for you you'll finish the second year seniors you're ending your senior year and literally I've seen here as even since I've been president of the school I remember one year uh, some years ago where five students, I think maybe three of them were seniors, got involved in some kind of messy thing right at the, it was like literally a week before school ended or something, like when, it all, when everything hit the fan. They got involved in this thing, bam, you know, they couldn't get their diplomas. They got not, I mean, it was like so sad. It was so sad. But it happens. People get wiped out at the end. And uh, and so I wanted to speak something to you about this this idea. And if you look in your notes to Luke uh, chapter 23, and uh, starting with verse 32, I want us to look at at this this situation: how three men ended their lives, and how they ended how they ended their, their either reinforced or completely changed everything that had gone before. Luke. 23, starting with verse 32, it said, Two others also, who were criminals, were being led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right, and the other on the left. Now, let, let's get a little background on what's happening here. So Jesus has been up all night. They've they've blindfolded him and punched him and said, Prophesy, tell me who hit you. They scourged him with a cat of nine tails, which was a horrendous beating that literally f- would flay the skin off of somebody's back when he was beaten in that way. He's beaten so bad, interrogated and, and accused and everything else that they try to get him to carry his cross Uh, outside the city where he's going to be crucified. If he cannot, he's beaten so bad, he cannot literally carry his own cross. Someone else has to come and take it for him. And then they nail him naked. You never see that picture, but that's the reality of what the Bible tells us. They nailed him naked between these two criminals, him being in the middle signifying and what they were, the message that they were sending, that he was the worst of them all. He was the worst of them all. Look at verse 34. But Jesus was saying in the middle of this, this atmosphere, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his, his garments among themselves. And the people stood by looking on, And even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are king of the Jews, save yourself. And now there was also an inscription above him, this is the king of the Jews. Everybody is saying to him, prove yourself, vindicate yourself, justify yourself, show, show somehow that what you have said all this time is reality instead of what we see before us, which is a beaten and defeated person. If you've got something, now is your time, make it clear, do something. In your notes it says this. Show that God is with you by an act of power. But instead, he shows God is with him by an act of character. If you, you want to note, underline that or note that or whatever. They wanted him to show that God was with you by an act of power. Somehow justify yourself. Somehow uh, prove it. Somehow you take some kind of action. Show that God is with you by an act of power. Instead, he shows God is with him by an act of character. How does Jesus respond to this unfair treatment he's experiencing? He prays for his enemies. This is what it says. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Everybody say that with me, would you? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Let's say it again. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Maybe you lost your financial support for school because of a broken promise. Maybe someone in your family hurt you over the Easter break. Maybe a relationship ended that you thought was going to lead to marriage. Maybe someone falsely accused you of something. Maybe you had something stolen from you. Maybe... Somebody you felt should have helped you didn't. You thought they were going to come through for you, and they didn't come through. We see here a powerful, basically the secret of how Jesus ended well. And uh, in your notes, it says it this way. For Jesus to forgive them, he had to see beyond what he was going through at the moment and see the hand of God in his situation, okay? So Jesus here's Jesus being beaten, being falsely accused, absolutely innocent, never having done anything wrong, just uh, helping people and blessing people and, and touching people. Here, here he is absolutely justified in every way And yet in the middle of that situation, he's being totally humiliated, hung naked up between these prisoners. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The only way you can do that is if somehow you have eyes that are not looking at your current situation, but are looking beyond that situation to something else. Hebrews says it this way. It says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Somehow there has to be an ability. You're going through something difficult. You're going through something painful. You're going through something that really hurts you. If you're going to, everything inside you is crying out, justify yourself, show who you are, stand up for yourself. Prove what, what you really are made of. And if you are going to not respond, not react in that spirit, you have got to see something beyond your situation. You've got to be looking past the hurt to see something else. He says, for the joy set before him. To endure our cross, we must be see beyond our cross. There are some scriptures here that I think are very powerful. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 here, he says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen. What are you looking at? We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. They're temporary. They're going to pass away. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Every, listen, everybody faces these kinds of situations. It's just... but. But there's, as we see, we're going to see in a few moments in this story, you know, when it comes down to the end, it's possible for you to rise to a new level or it's possible for you to, to just go down, for everything to get wiped out in, in, in a moment. Uh, you know, I think of when I was here in school, you know, when I was here in school, I fell in love with a, with a girl here that was uh, at the school. I mean, I really thought this is the one. This is the one. And I, I you know, I had, I, I remember just sitting thinking, well, okay, how are we going to make this work, you know, after we graduate from school? And I was thinking about different things I could do to make money and how, they, I, I mean, I had this thing all, oh, I, I saw us married, I saw us a lifetime together, I saw the whole picture just absolutely clearly. And in the midst of that situation, an old boyfriend comes back into the scene and reaches out to the girl and basically the girl dumps me. What do they call it now? Ghosting? <laughs> I, right? I got ghosted, okay. I mean I I mean she 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 dumps me. Okay, now when you go through a situation, when you go through a situation like that, now you got to remember. You know, now you, I look back at it forty years ago or something, thirty something years ago, and it's like uh, it, it, it's like okay, well, uh, you know, I have perspective. It's easy to see it, but at that moment, and when you're young, often that's the one thing you lack is perspective. Right? Is this gonna, you know, is this the end? Will there ever be somebody else? Is it, you know, how is it all gonna fit together? What's gonna happen? That's what's missing, right? You don't have that to draw on, and so I mean, I go through this, thing and I'm like, I'm like, whoa! I'm just, I'm just devastated. I'm, I'm just devastated in my, you know, in, in my heart. Now, when you're in that situation, everything. Inside of you is screaming to do something, right? You're gonna somehow straighten this thing out. You're gonna step up. You're gonna, you know, be maybe maybe it's just be be crazy mean to the person, or maybe it's you know whatever it is, whatever. whatever everything in, there's like a fleshly reaction that you're you're going to take in that situation. But in the middle of this, right? Jesus says, he's in he's in his cross, he's in his pain, he's in his difficulty, and he says for the joy that was set before him, there was something that could look past the current disappointment. And because he had trust, and because he knew God was in charge, because he knew God would finish the thing, he, he's just trusting and he looks past the current disappointment and, and he, he goes, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna tr- I'm gonna believe for the future that you've promised me, Lord. I'm gonna hold on in the midst of my situation. I'm not going to act like an idiot. I'm not going to throw a fit. I'm not going to smash things. I'm not going to I'm I'm going to I'm I'm going to trust that you I'm trusting in your wisdom that you're going to order my steps that these things are going to come together. I remember one time I was promised a certain kind of a promotion. That I wanted. I've heard of other stories of of people that have gone like you, gone worked in churches, and the pastor maybe made some kind of comments or insinuated, you know, you're going to be the next pastor, you'll be the person, but then it never unfolds, it never happens. These these are these are the disappointments that you're going to face, and and it, how you respond in that moment, if you can see past the situation if you can see beyond your circumstances if you can see that thing out ahead that this momentary light affliction is not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory that god is preparing for you if you can see past your situation then you have that ability that jesus had to say father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing When you face your cross, you will despair unless you can see the hand of God. That's in your notes. When you face your cross, you will despair unless you can see the hand of God. Everybody's going to have a cross. That's not that is you you're going to you're going to have a powerful disappointment. But what's going to enable you not to be pulled down by that thing, not to be wiped out by, by it, okay? So let's go on and see this story. Luke 23, as it's unfolding here, verse 39, he says, one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. He says he's innocent. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Paradise. So we see this picture here, one thief, He sees only the circumstances. He sees his circumstances. He sees Jesus' circumstances. He sees this whole situation. He, He looks at this thing and he just starts hurling abuse. And he starts... You know, he just, I can just imagine him cursing and swearing and the agony he was going through and then looking at Jesus and save yourself, you know, and save me too if you've got any power at all. He's just, he's just, just filled with venom. Just all this stuff is just pouring out of him. And then we see this other thief that somehow in the middle of this situation going through all the same things. He's, he's hung on a cross too, he, all the same but somehow there's something in him that sees beyond this circumstance. There's, there's something some revelation, apparently, that comes to him, that there's something where he sees meaning in an innocent man suffering and somehow believes that the, this innocent man's suffering could somehow make a change for him, could somehow change his circumstance, that his situation could be different because this innocent man was suffering. And instead of joining the chorus with his with, his, uh, with this other thief that's there, he looks at Jesus and he sees past where they are, and he says, Jesus, when you Get into your kingdom. Will you, will, you, will you take me with you? Right? And, and, and he, he sees beyond. There's nothing here. It's a beaten man, a man um, bleeding, just destroyed, hanging on a cross, nailed to the cross. They were probably tied, but he was nailed to the cross. Nothing there that would be attractive or drawing. Or any, but some revelation comes to this guy and he looks at this innocent man, and he says, "There's got to be something more. I don't, I don't understand." And he sees beyond the cross, and he says, "When you come into your kingdom, will you take me with you?" You know. And Jesus looks at him, and uh, you know, think of Jesus, all the suffering he is currently going through, everything that's happening. He is a man just like you're a man, beaten just like the other two guys, you know, all that he's going through. And in that situation, he turns to comfort the thief. I mean, if it was me up there, I'd have been going, leave me alone. Everybody, just stop it. I'm here, I'm dying, just leave me alone. But instead, that same spirit for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, that same capacity to look beyond his circumstance. He, he, he looks at this guy and he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He shows, he says, I'm not, this isn't the end of the story. There's more coming in this situation, you know, that we're, that we're looking at. Uh, l- let's look here in Luke uh, 23, verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last now, when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God. This is one of the guards that's there to guard him, and he says, "Certainly, this man was innocent. He, this man, this centurion. I'm, I'm guessing here, supposing, but I'm guessing he's seen this happen before. Uh, crucifixion was a Roman tool." Uh, I I, I read one story uh, recently where it talked about him crucifying 6,000, where the Romans had crucified 6,000 slaves who had formed a rebellion. I think this man had seen other people die on the cross before. It was probably maybe even a weekly occurrence, maybe more than that in this uh, situation, this place. And he sees this man die and he sees they they're slapping him they're doing all this stuff they're they're giving him sour wine they're yelling abuse at him and he hears the man say father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing and he's going i have never seen anything like this before they they they're, jesus is it, humiliated, naked in front of everybody between these two criminals. The, the other criminals are even healing abuse on him or, or th- heaping abuse on him, just th- go, going after him in this way. And, and 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 Jesus is there and he turns to, the, to the, the one thief and he says to him, he comforts him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah, you're going through something difficult right now, but listen, today you're gonna be with me In paradise. This this centurion looks at this and he says, Listen, I've never seen anything like this before. This man has to be, he was innocent. And all the crowds who came together for this specter, when they observed what had happened, began to return beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance, seeing. These things. Now, when we lo- read the Gospel of Luke, there is one thing that Luke wants you to get. He emphasizes it so many times, and that is that Jesus. Was innocent. Pilate says it three times when he's when he's interacting with the crowd. He's saying, "This man is innocent. Why are you doing this? This man is innocent. This man is innocent." Three times he says it. The thief says it on the cross. He says, "This man hasn't done anything to deserve what's happening to him." And now the centurion says it. He want, Luke wants you to know this man was innocent, and he finished well. In your notes, it says this: Jesus finished well because he looked beyond the cross in three ways. He forgave, Father, forgive them. He comforted, today you will be with me in paradise. And finally, he trusted into your hands, I commit my, by spirit. By an act of character, he did what power could not do. Now, every one of us in this room, you're going to have temptations. You're going to have temptations. that are going to come to you because of disappointment, where you're going to feel like I've got to somehow take control. I've got to do something. I got to, and you're going to you're you're going to be offered this ability to not focus on your circumstances. But to look beyond your circumstances to what God wants to do with your life, that He's going to finish the work that He's begun in you, that your stupid goof up this last weekend isn't the end of the story, that there's more that can happen, that God can do stuff in you, that He can change you, that He can make you, that He can finish what He has begun in you. All of the, he, He's He's saying you've got to see beyond your cross. The people that have hurt you, all of us can blame others for what's happened and be be able to look and say, Father, forgive them. The the ability to, to comfort others and to be an encouragement to others even when you are suffering, when you're going through difficulty. All of this stuff, all of this is available to every one of us that's in this room right now by the power of God. You cannot do it yourself you don't have the ability. It comes, it's not even rooted in you. It's from looking beyond what you're going through and seeing that God is going to finish what he has started. This is the gift of perspective that even you as a young person can have because you can look beyond the earthly and the temporary and you can see the eternal. This is a gift. See, I, I'm being older. I can look and say, "Okay, I've been through this. I've been through this. I've seen this in others' lives. I've seen this. So I, I, I I'll make it through this situation because I've seen others make it. I've done it. I'll, you know, but I'm here to tell you right now that you might not have that ability, but you can have this ability to look beyond the temporal to look beyond the temporary, to look beyond what's happening and to trust in God and to say, I believe God's going to finish what he's begun in me. I'm going to trust in the Lord. Into your hands, I commit my spirit, Lord. I give myself over to you. I'm going to trust that you can finish what you have begun in me. And this is going to be what holds you at the end, right? This is going to be what holds you so you don't blow up. holds you. At the end, let's just bow our heads and hearts before the Lord. Come on, let's do that right now, just where we are. If something of what I have spoken about today, You know, sometimes when you get up to speak, and I have this kind of feeling today, when you get up to speak, it's not just a word for everybody, but it's a word for somebody. There's a specific. And somehow what I've spoken about today, though other people might be going, I don't quite get exactly what he's talking about. You're sitting here going, this is exactly my situation, this is exactly my circumstance. The Spirit is wanting to minister to you right now if you're in that situation, I want you just to lift both of your hands up in the air right now. Would you do that? Just lift both of your hands in the air. You're just acknowledging something here. You, 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 you could blow up here at the end, but you're going you're gonna to trust in God. You're going to look beyond your cross. You're going to look beyond your circumstances. You're going to look beyond the temporary You're going to believe that the momentary light affliction is not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory that God is working for you. You're going to look to Jesus and say, Lord, as I go through this, keep me. I want to be with you in paradise. You bring me through. You're going to trust in him in this situation. Lord, around the room, different ones have their hands lifted. And we come to you with humility right now, Lord. And we ask you to do what we could not do. Enable us to forgive, Lord, in the midst of our pain. Give us that capacity that you had, that you were able to look beyond your circumstances, look beyond your situation, and you could say, Father, forgive them. Lord, give us that ability to see paradise, uh, to see that, 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 that we're going to be with you in the, in the midst of our pain. Somehow Jesus could look beyond all that and say to that guy, today you're going to be with me in paradise. This isn't the end of the story. What we're going through right at this moment is not the end of the story. God has, has something that's happening. And Lord, I ask you to birth just a tremendous trust into your hands we commit our spirit that same thing that was in jesus in the garden of gethsemane when he says not my will be done but yours lord i believe that that you know what needs to happen i trust you i commit myself into your hands now i commit myself into your hands finish the work that you've begun in me finish the work lord i'm not going to focus on my circumstances I'm going to look beyond it. I'm going to look beyond it to the eternal that you have for me. Lord, I thank you for it, God. I thank you, Lord, for this group, all that you've been doing this whole year in our lives. And I believe, Lord, you're going to finish the work that you have begun in us. You're going to get us through. You're going to bring us through that day of graduation in just a few weeks. And and like my son, when he went through that Marine camp, uh, officer candidate school, uh, he could look and see, well, yes, there are those that are not here that started with me, but I finished. Lord, that they're going to know that they finished by the grace and power of God. We thank you for it, Lord. We trust you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.